Hi, this is Heidi from CastleCast and Down Below, and when I'm not watching my favorite TV shows, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and today we're going to move away from the music side of Bruce, though we may touch on that a little bit, and we're going to talk about some of the iconic images of Bruce's career and his albums and we may even talk a little uh, Patty Smith and other photography. Uh, I am thrilled that Frank is joining me today. Frank, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, my name is Frank Stefanko, and uh, I am for uh, speedy recovery down there. But um, well, it's, it's just uh, overwhelming. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate that a lot. And, um, and I'm just thrilled you could spend so few time with us. Um, before we get to your Bruce journey, um, how did you get the photo bug? What 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 led you to, you know, because photography's been your life in a lot of ways, correct? Well, yeah, ever since I was very, very young. Uh, I've always been fascinated by things photographic. Uh, I used to look through old uh, encyclopedias and uh and and you know uh, world books and 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 you know these old photographs of of um oh, just you know the the pyramids and the you know things of, of ancient <laughs> you know uh i remember once seeing a big uh, photograph of a, a crater uh a big crater it looked so uh, you know like wow this thing came from outer space and crashed into this world and uh, and it said uh, meteor crater, uh, Arizona. And, um, <laughs> a few years ago, uh, while riding around Arizona and, uh, and, and Utah, uh, I actually went out to that meteor crater and I actually saw it and I, I was like, okay, this is coming full circle now, but I was always, uh, and photographed it, of course. Uh, I was always uh, excited and, and, uh, and interested in photographs, in optical illusions, and you know, any. I remember once getting when I was a kid. You could buy this pack of bubblegum cards, and it had these cards, and you, you know, and you chew the bubblegum, of course, and then you hold these cards up to the sun, and uh, after a, you know twenty minutes or so, an image would appear, you know, and it was like, uh, wow, how did that happen? And uh, you know, the the uh, M C Escher etchings of, of you know uh, the, the things going down but then it's is it going down or is it going up you know and right. all these things and uh i was always fascinated by that but when i was eight years old i found an old uh, box camera uh, uh in in the drawer uh, in a buffet drawer in our dining room and i asked my father if i could borrow it and he said no you, you know you can have it he showed me how to load it with roll film and you know, uh, put a roll of film in there and I went outside in the neighborhood and started snapping away and, and I, you know, rewound it and rolled it up and ran down to the corner drugstore and, 
you know, put it in to be processed. And a couple of weeks later, I went back and I got my little snapshots and I was uh, over the moon, excited. You know, I made these images. And uh, uh, as soon as I did, as soon as I saw the pictures, I went and got, uh, you know, another roll of film and then went out and shot some more. And it, uh, it evolved over the years. Um, uh, it was a combination of taking pictures as the cameras evolved from the brownie to a, you know, to an instamatic to a, to a, you know, a simple, uh, twin lens reflex to a more sophisticated to the, you know, to, uh, uh, ultimately to the equipment, you know, the professional equipment that I have now, but the excitement of snapping that picture from the beginning in box camera days to today has never changed. It's always, you know, uh, some kind of like a moment. courses in college and, and, and in high school and you know I always did very well but um, you know I, my energy went toward photography and I was able to utilize what I had learned in, in my art classes about composition and repetition of shape and forms and different you know uh, you know different what makes a good um, picture whether it be a painting or a photograph uh, Those frames and those things were, you know, if you if you just took a random frame out of one of those movies, it was a composition. It was a piece of art. Uh, so, you know, uh, those were the things that uh, that influenced me and uh, and helped me to see kind of see things the way that I do. You know, uh, you talked about a brownie. I can remember my parents having one, and then certainly the uh, Polaroids. Um, I had, um, you know, my share of you know, different Kodak, Kodak cameras where, you know, you had the cartridges because, you know, loading the film was kind of difficult. Um, I also laugh because, um, you know, with all the digital photography now, um, it's kind of funny to think about, you know, taking that film and putting it in an envelope and mailing it off or dropping it off at a drugstore and getting it because we get it so quickly now. Uh, yeah, no, instant gratification. Yeah, it's totally instant <laughs> gratification. Um, just curious, do you use films and digital? Do you mix in, you know, currently? Well, do you do both or? Yeah, well, here's the deal. Uh, like I said, I've been using film cameras pretty much my whole life. Sure. And, uh, but but uh, over the last, oh my goodness, I guess, I don't know, uh, five five years or so, I kind of switched over to digital. Uh, like, like I said, it's instant gratification, but more importantly, it's, um, you know, they're very sophisticated cameras now and you can do so much with them. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, my, I have a, a Canon 5D Mark three, which is pretty much a professional digital uh, camera. And I mean, there's so many things you can do with that camera with the right lenses and so forth. And, I mean, they even have a, there's a, there's a high def feature where you can actually program, um, you know, two or three stops above and two or three stops below the stop that you're working on and set it up and then pull the trigger and it goes, and you've got all three merged into one photograph to get the most high def, uh, you know, uh, image that you could possibly imagine, but uh, that's just one, you know, one feature. Uh, there's so I have a small camera, a Leica Velux Four. Yes, sir. It's not the real expensive Leicas. It's a, 
but it's not cheap either but but i like it because that's my like go-to camera uh it's a smaller camera i can carry it around wherever i go but it also has a fixed lens on it uh, i don't i don't have to buy all the big expensive lenses that i do on the ca- on the canon but uh that little fixed lens on there goes from 25 millimeters up to 600 millimeters so you can take everything from a wide angle uh, photograph to a very, very good, uh, telephoto photograph. Uh, uh it's pretty, you know, it's, it's uh, matter of fact, I use those in concerts. Uh, I, in my new book, I was talking about that camera in concerts because it's so light and it has a, um, the LCD screen on it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, moves and twists down. So I, I, if I'm standing in the pit at a Springsteen concert, I can put my hands up way over my head and see what I'm doing uh, with the camera and, and hold it up there and, and photograph the stage, uh, you know, without, without having to uh, see the heads or the arms uh, of the people that are in front of me sometimes, you know? So, you know, I, I've read a lot and um, done, I, I'm fascinated by the creative process. And so, you know, you hear writers talk about how, the, their mind never turns off, you know, um, you know, where do you get your ideas? And, you know, the joke is I go down to the corner store and buy them. But the reality is everything kind of hits their imagination. I think musicians the same way. They think musically. Do you think you see things with a photographer eye most of the time, or is that something you turn? Well, on? yes, uh, I think I do, but but uh, I've, I've taught this. Um, I've, I've done some lectures about photography, and and I've said, uh, you know, you can take three people, put them in a room with the same camera and the same lighting, and put a you know a, a something on the on the on the table in front of you, a flower, or, you know odds or whatever and have those three people with the same camera the same conditions the same lighting uh take you know take picture and you can have three different photographs the way people see things but uh photographers true photographers photographers who are artists um and and some of my best friends like eric miola danny clinch and you know uh, uh (laughs) henry diltz and some of the others are just you know uh, Timothy White, they're they're all you know you see things differently, and well, uh, you got to have a little bit of the, a little bit of understanding about uh, you know somebody could walk down the street and walk and there'd be something an image on the wall or something that's totally makes sense if you're you know if you're thinking about it and you, and you have a little bit of a brain and say hey that that's cool you know yeah. uh, other people walk right past it you know yeah and I would include you in that that artist I I know. That's kind of, you know, probably not what you want to embrace because you, 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 you do your persona. I loved your web page, and you're just kind of like, hey, I'm a guy that takes some photos, right? Uh, but um, I do think there is a beauty um, to your art, and and you capture, like all great art, you know, something more than just the image we're seeing. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I I wanted to go, kind of you as a fan do you remember discovering bruce and then i'd love to hear and i'm sure you're tired of telling it the story of how you guys started getting connecting and how you started photography and i was reading 
there was just recently an article right about that journey in the West and how how that it affected him so much. So that's kind of a very broad question. So we'll start out with how did you find Bruce? Well, uh, okay, uh, there was a time <laughs> when music was waning, and there uh, it was a time after uh, after the great music of. Uh, I mean, I. I was brought up, uh, we had a great big radio, and uh, I, I'm actually, I wrote about this in my new book, too, but uh, we had this old table model, or floor model radio, and uh, we used to listen, my brother and I used to listen, to my parents, of course, as well, we used to listen to all kinds of music. I mean, we got, we got, um, we got the hit parade, we got the uh, big bands, we got blues, rhythm and blues, we were listening to uh, bluegrass and country western uh, when we got the signal from WWVA Wheeling, West Virginia, in New Jersey, <laughs> mm-hmm. we got uh, you know just about every kind of music: classical music, uh, polka music, all kinds of music. Uh, so I had a broad, you know, love of of all kinds of music. And as things evolved, um, you know, with uh, with the, the big bands changing over to, you know, all of a sudden this music started coming out, uh, you know, this uh, rockabilly started coming out with, uh, you know, I, I kind of put it into two kinds of things, but out of Southern music, there was, uh, you know, rockabilly at Eddie Cochran, Gene Vincent, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, yeah. all these folks doing uh, Southern white music. And then, and then, and then you had Southern black music too, with Little Richard and Chuck Berry and Fats Domino, James Brown, and uh, you know, it all kind of fused in. And then all of a sudden, pow, in the middle of all this was Elvis, and music could change with all this, and uh, and it became rock and roll, and uh, and um, you know, and then that, and that evolved as it went along, and then, and then there was you know all these different bands and uh, that came out, uh, you know. Uh, from all over the place in, in America, you know, the Beach Boys, you had the, uh, the Eagles, you had, you know, just, you name them, the Rascals, you had, and then that changed, and then you had the British Invasion, and you had the, the Stones, and the Beatles, and the, uh, the Pacemakers, and, you know, just all these uh, groups that came out, so things were changing, but all of a sudden, somewhere in the middle of all that was bubblegum music. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. Absolutely. But um, so just to give you the perspective, I graduated high school in 77. So I was born in 59. So I grew up in a family in um, Louisiana. So my mom loved Bobby Darren, you know, Fast yep. Domino. Um, yep. My father loved, you know, Hank Williams and Merle Haggard. And, fa- you know, in fact, when... Merle Haggard died a couple of years ago. I, I said that I felt like I lost my father all over again. Yeah, uh, you know, I love Merle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I... I and Johnny. <laughs> oh, and Johnny, yeah, absolutely. So when... Um, and, and I do think there is some beauty to, in the middle 70s, you know, I grew up on AM radio, so a lot of crap, but a lot of top 40 hits and... And you know you're right, bubblegum and and you know parody songs. Yeah, there was the bubblegum music that was aimed more toward you know young folks, and it was right. silly, and it really didn't have a lot of content, both lyrically and musically, that I could identify with. Now I'm getting to where I'm talking about Bruce. 
in the middle of all that with the with that uh, bubblegum music floating around uh, in Philadelphia, and I lived right across the river, the Delaware River from Philadelphia and New Jersey. Um, there were some very cool radio stations that played a lot of good stuff uh, with me growing up. Uh, there was, you know, the top 40 stations, and then there were also some more esoteric stations. Um, top 40 stations in Philadelphia was WIBG that, you know, played all the, the dance music in the top 40s. But then there were guys like Jerry Blavitt that played the more esoteric uh, music like the Jarmels and the Five Satins and, the, you know, and uh, Johnny Ace. You know? sure. And then there was, uh, there was a guy named Butterball that would play uh, R&B and, you know, uh, uh, that sort of stuff. And so there's all kinds of stuff going on. But there was a fella in a, an FM station, uh, his name was Ed Shockey in Philadelphia. And, um, and I, I listened to a live broadcast, uh, that Ed was doing at a place in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania called the main point. It was a little coffee house. And he introduced this band, Bruce Springsteen and the E street band. Now this was somewhere after, uh, greetings from Asbury park. And, you know, um, I'm not sure time-wise if it was, if the wild, the innocent was happening yet, but it was early on and I heard this music and I said, Oh my God, this is what I've been waiting for. You know, this is everything I would grew up on all just kind of condensed into it was, you know, it was, it was rock. It was blues. It was rockabilly. It was, it was jazz. It was just everything in this real tight band. And, and then you had the front man, uh, with this great gravelly voice, you know, singing his heart out. And then in between telling stories about New Jersey and the Jersey shore and the pine barrens and, you know, and hanging out by the gas stations and watching the guys work on the cars. I said, this guy could be my brother, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I just started eating it up and, uh, and I got everything he ever did. So that was the beginning when I first heard of him. You know, now, it went on. What's funny, hey. Frank, is you you are sounding similar to other people I've had on this show. In fact, um, uh, Craig from South Africa talked about that, that, you know, how hard he had to find albums. And when he heard Bruce for the first time, it was like, oh, my goodness, this is he almost used the same word. This is what I've been looking for. I you know yeah. th this is the this this is the holy grail you know Cinderella slipper I mean this is um to you know to quote you too badly right I have found what I've been looking for so right right it was the key to the musical highway <laughs> it was absolutely so you've like okay I got to go find this you're going to find you know, albums, whatever you could find. So please continue. So, yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, I started grabbing, you know, all the albums, uh, as, as they ca came out, but I was also, uh, I had a friend that uh, I was in college and I had a friend, uh, and her name was Patty Smith and, um, we went to school together and I told her to, you know, she had left college and moved up to New York and, uh, you know, I would visit up there and take pictures up in New York. And anyway, I told her about this guy, Bruce Springsteen. I said, I've heard of him, you know, I'm, I'm checking out his music. It's really great. You should, you know, you should keep your ears open. I think he's going to be famous someday. And so as fate would have it, 
uh, Bruce appeared backstage at one of Patty's bottom line. Patty was appearing at, I believe, the bottom line in New York, and Bruce actually went backstage to see her. And Patty said to Bruce, yeah, I think you're going to be famous someday. My friend, my friend Frank from South Jersey said so. So uh, shortly, ep- shortly after that, I got an album in the mail from Patty from her management company, and it, it was uh, Bruce's album, Greetings from Asbury Park, Bruce's first album. And in those days, the postcard on the front of the album actually opens up, and you can see the back of the postcard. And on the back of the postcard was inscribed, to Frank, my biggest fan, Patty says, signed Bruce Springsteen. Wow! Uh, so uh, yeah, we've actually uh, we've taken a little picture of that and put it in my new book too. But anyway, um, that was that was the beginning. And as fate would have it, as time went on, and I was you know listening to all the Bruce stuff, and uh, uh, Bruce was working on an album in 1978. Uh, you know, after being, after laying off music for three years while he was in litigation after Born to Run. Um, and he was going to work, he was working on an album called Darkness on the Edge of Town. And Patti Smith was working at the same place at the record plant on West 45th Street, New York. And she was working on an album at the same time called uh, Easter. And um, so Bruce would hang out with Patti, you know, in between sets and stuff. And uh, Patty lived not too far, you know, in, in downtown in, in the village. So, you know, they took breaks. But anyway, Bruce was looking through the photographs of Patty Smith by all the great New York photographers, Andy Leibovitz and Bill Smith and uh, or Bill King and um, and um, uh, Francesco Scavulo and Richard Avedon, all the greats. But he also saw the photographs that I did of Patty Smith. And, you know, he said to Patty, you know, who did this? And, uh, I said, oh, this is Frank, the guy that said you were going to be famous. He's a fan of yours, and you know he likes your music. So Bruce was looking for uh, somebody to, you know, he was looking for an image for the cover of, um, you know, Darkness on the Edge of Town. It was very important to get this album out because, uh, uh, you know, with the layoff and everything else, uh, you know, you're dead if you don't keep recording in the, in the music industry. Yeah, so, I mean, unlike nowadays where that's fairly common to go several years without an album, you know, back then, right, you got to keep it coming. You got to keep giving them content. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, most of the record companies had contracts where you had to produce, you know, an album every year or something like that, you know. Um, but uh, in any event, uh Patty called me up one night and said, Bruce is over here looking at your photographs and he really likes them. And, you know, uh, would you like to photograph him? He's working on a new album. And I, of course I said, yes. And, and that was the beginning in 1978. And we worked on darkness on the edge of town. And, uh, and that was over, that was 40 years ago, uh, just about, and I've been working with him ever since off and on. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a long relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wonderful. How do you? Re, I'm going to ask this. Is probably the dumbest question ever, but do you remember the discussion and and why they chose the picture they did chose for darkness? Uh, I, well, I, I'm sure my, my I, friend, my friend Eric Miola, yeah, who's a very good photographer, excellent photographer, uh, master of photography, and a good friend of mine, uh, had shot four 
um, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, some really great stuff. As a matter of fact, um, there was uh, you know those great desert shots that uh, that Eric did with the lightning strikes and yes. Bruce on the car and that dusty road. I mean, they did some beautiful stuff. Um, and then he did some you know some portraits too. But what happened was, and this is the way it was explained to me by Bruce, and and actually he wrote about it. Uh, yes. He felt that the images that I made of him. I mean, when I first, you know, when I first met him, sat down and we first started working, you know, I took him for what he was. I, I wasn't thinking of him as a character. I was thinking of him as I saw him. This was the guy that was sitting in front of me, you know, and, and what was he all about? <laughs> so I photographed Bruce Springsteen as Bruce Springsteen. However, uh, how, the way I saw Bruce Springsteen, Bruce felt best portrayed the characters that he was writing about in darkness on the edge of town and subsequently in the river and yeah. beyond. Cause I actually photographed him for Nebraska too, but, um, he used a, a much starker, uh, that, that, that dashboard, you know, right. uh, image for the cover of Nebraska, but we've been working on different projects, uh, you know, um, I worked with him on Devils and Dust, but uh, Danny got that one, you know. But uh, the the good thing about all this is I got a plethora of photographs, and um, I, I did a book back in 2003 called uh, Days of Hope and Dreams, an intimate portrait of Bruce Springsteen, which encompassed the photographs I did of Bruce from 1978 to 1982. And um, We will put a link to that in the show notes, absolutely. Okay, all right, and that, and that, that book is in its second edition now, and it's, you know, it's still out there, it's still selling, um, but what it, it turns out that at some point I was thinking, my goodness, you know, that was a period of, a small period of time when I think about all the other photographs I've been doing of Bruce that weren't published or weren't used in, on an album cover, but might have been used in a book here or there or whatever, and um, I said, in reality, I've been photographing Bruce for about 40 years now. So off and on, you know, so I said, geez, maybe I, I'd like to, maybe there's enough that if I look through it, I got another book. Well, my friend Guido Harare, uh, who is in Italy and, uh, is a world-class photographer in, in Europe and Italy and also owns wall of sound gallery in Alba, Italy, and also publishes a lot of books, uh, and is also a friend of mine. Uh, just emailed me one day and said, I think it's time you did a new Springsteen book. And that was it. I, I said, you know, you've always been a kindred spirit of mine, but this time you got inside my head. And yeah, you, that's you're, funny, you're, reading right? my, you're reading my thoughts, you <laughs> yeah. know? So I said, okay, let's do it. Uh, shortly after that, he was on a plane over to my house, and we were sitting down in New Jersey looking through my archives of everything I've ever done. And uh he said, not only do we have a book here, but we've got a, a gigantic collector's item that we're going to do a, a limited edition signed and numbered, you know, gigantic. Well, this, this book that we're doing, which is coming out in November called Bruce Springsteen further up the road, uh, is going to encompass, is going to encompass my photographs from 1978 all the way up to the, to current to 2017. I did a new shoot with Bruce in April 
uh, I told him I needed some something to finish off the book, the most current stuff, and um, and he agreed. I went up to his ranch and we, uh, you know, we did a new session, and that finishes off. So we're got the book is going to encompass just about forty years of my. The book's going to weigh over ten pounds. There's four hundred wow. pages. It's it's there's foldouts. There's there's extra photographs. There's all kinds of stuff in there, and uh, we're very 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 excited about it. Oh, it so, sounds uh, like this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've actually put it on Facebook uh, for pre-sale uh, oh, a few months ago, and most of we we decided we were putting out two versions. Uh, a three hundred and fifty copies were going to be deluxe versions. Very expensive coming in a clamshell box with an extra photograph and, you know, all kinds of extra stuff. And then there's also a collector's item that's, uh, that's a little bit less expensive, but also a little on the pricey side, but uh, it's costing a lot to put this book together. Uh, you know, only doing it, uh, you know, if anybody wants them, they're only going to be available through five vendors that we put it through. One is Backstreet's. If you're, you know, the, the sure. Springsteen website, uh, Badlands, which is the uh, Springsteen website out of England. Uh, yeah. Philip Jump is Badlands and Chris Phillips is Backstreets. And then the three galleries that, uh, that represent me, a Morrison Hotel Gallery in uh, both California and New York, um, uh, Snap Gallery in England, and uh, Wall of Sound Gallery in Italy, which is Guido's uh, Gallery. And what we're doing, and this is really exciting because I've never done anything like this before, uh, when the book comes out uh, at the beginning of November, uh, I am doing a show of 35 of my photographs from the book in various sizes from 30 by 40 down to 16 by 20 um, uh, that we're going to do gallery, uh, gallery shows in um, Morrison Hotel Gallery at the Sunset Marquee a hotel in West Hollywood, California, on November the 2nd. Um, Morrison Hotel Gallery, Soho, New York, on Prince Street, um, a week later, on November the 9th. And then November the 18th, we're going to be at the opening at the Wall of Sound Gallery in Alba, Italy. So my wife and I are going to be doing some heavy-duty traveling uh, to be and to appear at the openings of, uh, of these three shows that are going to run... Uh, consecutively so actually i'm printing right now for three three exact same shows in three different locations all that opens up within a week of each other that, so, i've never never did anything like sir, that before that is wonderful <laughs> yeah, it, it's, that it's, sounds it's great. pretty exciting so did you uh, so if i if i remember correctly reading um the cover of the autobiography is one of your photos correct uh, yes, it's a, it's a it's the only shot I took of Bruce leaning against his 1960 Corvette and the um, the photographs titled Corvette Winter, which is a play on a movie called Corvette Summer. Right, I remember Corvette Summer. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, with uh, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. there you go. Yeah. Um, did. Uh, did he talk to you beforehand, or did were you just surprised that it was going to happen? Well, 
Here's the and, and once again I mentioned this and all this stuff's going to be oh, all I, these answers are going to be in the new this, book. This but is, what it is, um, we is, this is, I'm I'm stopping right now, listeners. This is an info commercial for this book uh, <laughs> because <laughs> I am so excited about them. I am so happy you're sharing these stories with me. I can't wait to read the in depth, uh, you know, behind the scenes that you're sharing. So continue, sir, please. Right. Well, uh, what had happened was I, I get a lot of uh, emails from different people, from Live Nation, from Sony, from, you know, some of my that, you know. And I said, all right, okay, you know, we're working on a project. She says, oh, I sent it. Well, next thing I know, a couple, about a week later, she came back. She said, can you send me a high-res image of that? And I said, uh, okay, uh, what's going on? You know, she said, yeah. all right, I'll tell you. We're working, uh, Bruce is working on a book, and um, we're considering this image for the cover. She said, but you are now sworn to secrecy. Yes, absolutely. You, know, you cannot talk about this until the book comes out, you know. And uh, I said, okay. So it was shortly after that that uh, I got a, you know, got a message back from Simon & Schuster, and they said, uh, Bruce wants that thick picture on the cover and that's going to be the cover of the book. And, you know, we were looking at three or four of your other images or five or six or whatever it was, uh, for the inside of the book, you know? And so that was the beginning. And, uh, yeah, and I had to keep it secret for quite a few months until the, the book actually came out. The really cool part is yes. that, um, I got invited to the, there was a, a, a a celebration party when the book came out up in New York and my wife and I got invited. Um, and it was quite, uh, a nice little party at this little restaurant in, in Manhattan. And, um, I was told that Bruce was going to be there and, um, you know, his family and some of his people and, and some people from John Landau and, you know, and some of the people that you were working with here at Simon and Schuster and you yeah. get to meet them. And I said, oh, that's cool. And we went up and, uh, at this really nice place, and uh, I met, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Carp, who's the president of Simon & Schuster, who I work, you know, communicated with on this project, and um, and Miss Seow and some of the others, and then next thing I know, some of the Landau people came in, Barbara Carr and John Landau, and, um, Jan Stabilly and uh, Allison Oscar, and uh, who I've known and worked with before. And, you know, and next Bruce came in with, um, his wife, Patty and, and his three children. Uh, and then I saw Stephen Van Zandt come in with his wife, Maureen. Then I saw, uh, Tom Zimney came in, uh, the filmmaker that works with Bruce a lot. And, um, and then I saw Clive Davis, who's a great big music mogul in New York right. and, you know, has been around the block a few times uh, and responsible for a lot of people's success, uh, including Patty Smith, uh, who we signed to Arista many years ago. And, then uh, I, I said, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, all these really yeah, nice exactly. people here, all these famous people. And I was taking photographs, of course. And, uh, then I, I said to my wife, Hey, Carol, that's Steven Spielberg <laughs> and Kate Capshaw. And I said, now, wait, here's Robert De Niro and Grace Hightower. You know, <laughs> hey, wait a minute, there's Ralph Lauren. Oh, my goodness, there's Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. So this turned out to be quite the little party. <laughs> and uh, we got a few photographs of those that will also be in the book. So there's oh, a lot nice. of little tidbits in there. Yeah. 
Um, so I actually I, told uh, yeah? I actually told Steven Spielberg, who used to live in Haddonfield, New Jersey, where I took most of those pictures of Bruce. Yeah. Um, I said, Stephen, you know this uh, this cover photograph I took of uh, Bruce was in Haddonfield, New Jersey, on Colonial Avenue. He said, "No kidding!" I, I used to. I said, "I know." That's why I told you. That <laughs> he went up to a... tell Bruce. He said, "Bruce, you didn't tell me this was Haddonfield." <laughs> that is funny. Um, I I can only imagine the pride you felt seeing that they picked that. That they thought that image. And by the way, it is a wonderful image. I think it it captures so much of the soul of the book. Um, well, it, it, the soul of the book, yes. But what? Here's the thing: yes, that sir. of all the photographs I've ever taken of Bruce, which I, I, you know, which are many of them are sold in these galleries that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, I had a couple that were that were more. I had there was more of a favorite of mine than that one. There was one called uh, Frank's Barber Shop, where he's leaning against a barber pole uh, in this, you know, this barber shop right. or outside this barber shop. And anyway. I said, but this shot of him leaning against the Corvette was the biggest seller, not only the biggest seller of mine, but it was the biggest seller of the gallery, of all the great artists that this gallery represents, or these galleries represented. Uh, this was the biggest uh, selling photograph of all time. And I, and I started scratching my head, and I said, well, why isn't it Frank's Barbershop, or why isn't it uh, the Indian King, or why isn't it, you know, because I have titles for all these photographs right and uh and then i started looking at it and i started staring at it and i said i get it <laughs> i said i get it first of all you know it, it's bruce and it appeals to bruce and it appeals to car people and all that because of the 60 corvette that's right. all good but what it really says is if you go back to the lyrics of thunder road you know from your front porch to my front seat the door's open but the ride it ain't cheap yes that's Thunder Road. Uh, it's you know, it's the de definitive Thunder Road with him waiting for the girl outside, leaning against the car. I totally agree. I hadn't thought about that, but now that you mention it, Frank, that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. So I think that's what yeah. really um, evoked that feeling in many people, and that's why they you know they purchased that photograph. So I, I can imagine. Uh, so yes, I was very happy that it was on the cover, I was proud as, as could be humanly possible. But also in the book, there, there are some other little stories about that photograph, including one about Lauren Bacall that you'd have to read the book to, yeah. uh, well, I read the book to get and the he picture was, on it. He was very kind. No, no, uh, my book. I'm talking oh, your about. book. Okay, book. yeah, I've read yeah. his book. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, um, we're going to wrap up quickly because I've kept you almost an hour. We're 45 minutes, but um, one of the as we read this article about y'all's travel, and and I'm not going to have you retell the story because I'm sure you covered in the book, but you guys were all three, you know, you, little Stephen, and Bruce, right, traveling around and kind of seeing the... That was not me. That was Eric Miola. That's Eric Miola. Okay, I'm sorry. That's Eric Miola. The story about the, the, the Southwest and, yes. and driving the... Yeah, okay, no, I'm that's confused. Eric. Okay. Because is he the one that did the picture of Bruce outside the the service station? That is correct. 
Okay, well then I yeah, me. Eric. Eric, yeah. like I said, he's, he's my one of my best friends, but he's uh, he's one hell of a photographer. And yeah, yeah, he did the service station. He did the shot with the lightning strikes yeah. in the desert. He yeah. did the um, the dusty road shots. He did yeah. a lot of really did the Hearst uh, uh, t-shirt shots. He, you know, yeah. all those things were taken for uh, darkness on the edge of town. And then how funny that they went with you kind of capturing. And you said early in this interview, you felt like Bruce was, before you met him, just based on his music, this guy could be my brother, you know? Yeah. And I think you capture right that persona of him, you know, he's an every man. And, and That's exactly right. Yeah. Um. So I, I this this book sounds fascinating. I, I'm amazed. This sounds like something that's going to be a joy to read. Um, and I I wanted to ask you though, and then we'll wrap it up. Is is there any thoughts? And I'd kind of shown this in the agenda, but you know, so much now is through you know we everyone's got a camera and everyone films everything. You know, the, one of the things that is a blessing when Bruce does an obscure song, you know someone's captured it with their cell phone and they're going to throw it on YouTube. But I wanted to get as someone who's who has spent his life capturing images, what your thoughts on why photography is still important and just kind of give you a little chance to share your thoughts on that. Well, like you said, that person that that, uh, you know, holds up their iPhone and, 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 and um, puts that song into that little phone so they can either share it on Facebook or, or, uh, or uh, Twitter or whatever and, and um, you know, or else just watch it themselves. Uh, photography is the ability to freeze the moment. Uh, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it, <laughs> uh, there's there's so many things that, um, you know, statements that uh, people can uh, relate to, but, um, I got here, I got something here. Let me just bring this up if I can find it here, uh, in my, uh, on my computer. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's something. Um, I want you to listen to this. It's it's all, this is just a little something I put in my book too. You seldom see beauty face to face. Look at it. Well, for what you see now, you will never see again, since the moment is transitory. But it will be an imperishable memory in your heart. You touch eternity. That was written by a person named William Somerset Maugham, a great writer. So um, I, I have that phrase in my book, and I also have another one uh at the end, um, that, uh, that relates to photography also, but, uh, I don't think I can get, get to that one. No, it's 400 pages. I got to scroll. Through oh, absolutely. See. Yeah. That's I think, beautiful. you know what? I think I got it. I think okay, I got it. Good. I think I got it. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, let's see. Where did I put it? Okay. I got it. I got it. I know it's right here. It's right. I'm losing it. I've got to go down to 50%. That's okay. We'll fix this in the find post. It. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, okay, here it is. Listen to this one now. 
To the attentive eye, each moment of the year has its own beauty. And in the same field, it beholds every hour a picture which was never seen before and which shall never be seen again. And that was written by a fellow named Ralph Waldo Emerson. Well uh, these are all little, little, just yeah. little things about, you know, uh, crystal moments of time that you can put into. Now, those people with those, with those uh, phones, you know, uh, they might be taking pictures, but they maybe are not necessarily making photographs. Uh, you know, and I, I get that, and I understand, and, and this isn't a, it isn't a snobbery thing, because, um, you know, the guy that picks up the guitar and plays along and, and sings to his family, he gets a joy out of that, and um, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't exactly. You know, I totally agree. Because I, I was going to share, Frank, that... Um, about a year and a half ago, I was looking for a new job, and one of the suggestions that someone had is you you need a professional photo done for your LinkedIn profile. And so I reached out to a buddy, um, a mom of one of my son's classmates, and she you know does a lot of wedding photographies and graduation photos, and, and Erica said, absolutely, Jesse, come on over. And so, you know, she's taking photos and it's just we're talking and laughing. And then, you know, she sent a bunch over and my wife went, oh, my goodness, this photo totally looks professional, but it catches your sense of humor and your personality. And, you know, there's we all have photos that we take with our phones or our digital cameras that you go, you know, one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand, like, wow, that was a really good photo. But the people like yourself have that eye and you guys are able to capture that moment and that personality in a photo. And I think that's fascinating. Well, I'll tell you a little secret. Okay. Like I said, I've been taking pictures my whole life, but there was a time quite a few years ago when I when I was questioning my own ability. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I spoke about my friend Eric and, you know, and some other great photographers that are very technically, there's a guy named Clyde Butcher down in the Florida Everglades that is a magnificent landscape photographer, and I do a little bit of that too. And, uh, uh, you know, and I was looking at some of the masters of photography, and I said, wow, you know, you know, I was starting to question my own ability. I said, yeah, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am, you know. <laughs> and then one day I started looking through not only my portraits and, and photographs of Bruce Springsteen and Patti Smith and Southside Johnny and all the other folks that I've, you know, worked with. But then I started looking at my street pictures in New York and I started looking at my West. Yeah. I mean, this, when you look at it, it definitely belongs to me. So yes. maybe not so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I think it is. And I think you you have a perspective and you have an eye. Um, I, I can't let you go without telling you how much I appreciate your post on Facebook about Bruce on Broadway or Springsteen on oh. Broadway. Um, I thought you were... What had happened was, uh, Jesse, I, I, had, I was listening to so many people, 
you know, uh, just downing the man about the price of those tickets. And I had to just say something that you don't really understand what's involved and what, and what constitutes the price of the tickets. And when you consider that the whole run on Broadway, the whole six weeks or whatever it's going to be, seven weeks, uh, is going to uh, seat about, I think it was 73 or 76,000 people, which would be about what... consider besides just paying off the performer i mean there's so many other people there's unions involved there's you know uh, well anyway i don't want to get into that no, no, all no, over I, again but but i appreciate I was, that I, was, I just had to say something because i was listening to so many people who apparently were either uninformed about what broadway is all about and and bruce has every right to to do a venue like this i mean i saw his um you know, the, uh, the devils and dust tour, the singular tour where he, you know, he just toured with some guitars and a piano. And that was one of the best shows I ever saw. I, These I, people are going to get their money's worth. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about, you know, the waiting in line for Hamilton and, you know, the, you know, there, you know, there is, I talked about, there's no way to make everyone happy and not everyone who wants a ticket is going to get it. But let's no, there's 250. There was at least 250,000 registered people uh, to get tickets right now for 73,000 yeah. tickets, and and that's that doesn't that doesn't add up right. But the, so you know the people that really want to go and are lucky enough to get the tickets should go and enjoy it. And those that can't, uh, there'll be other venues. Just be patient if absolutely. you're a fan. Absolutely, and I'm I'm hoping for a Blu-ray or an HBO special with a photograph of yours as the cover. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, uh, and conversely, uh, you know, people that are haters that are just going to complain anyway, yes, they they're going to do it no matter what. So yes. there's not a whole lot you can do. But I just got, I just got mad because uh, I just read too many people complaining about the ticket. Well, I am glad you shared so, uh, and I appreciate it. So, Frank, um couple final any final thoughts you want to share and then tell us how we can reach you and if we want to pre-order the book how do we find it well like i said if you if you want to pre-order the book um you really have to go to there's only five vendors that are going to it's not on amazon it's not anywhere else uh you go to either um uh, to um wall of sound gallery in italy you just go on their website and get in touch with them uh, or Morrison Hotel Gallery. Headlands website okay, hang uh, on. in England. Yeah, Frank. Um, you, they, they've been selling the most. You, you cut off right after you mentioned the gallery. So say, you said or, so say that again. I want to make sure I have yeah, it. Yeah, or uh, Backstreet's uh, website, uh, which is a Springsteen site, or Badlands. Okay. In, in England. Now, Backstreet's is going to show that the books are currently sold out, but keep monitoring the sites. Uh, we're sending more to them. Okay, good. All right. And so they should they should be replenished in about a week or so. Very nice. And your website is? Uh, what is it? I don't even know. I'll, I'll look my website's yeah. very old. Don't yeah. worry about okay. it. Okay, <laughs> well, I'll put it out there. I haven't updated that thing in years. Okay. Um, 
thank you, Frank. This was absolutely amazing. I appreciate it. Continued success. I'm excited about the book. I'm going to go order it uh, right now. Um, listeners, thank you so much. Um, and this was wonderful. And uh, before- Well, thank you for inviting me, Jesse. And, and once again, uh, the way I open this up, I want to finish, uh, like I said, uh, many of us here in the East Coast, our hearts go out to everybody in Houston, Corpus Christi, all down that Gulf Coast of Texas, and uh, hope that, uh, uh, that that it's not going to take forever for those folks to get uh, uh, reinstated with their homes and their you know and their jobs and everything. Absolutely, sir. Uh, would you mind doing a promo for me? Uh, sure. We want. Okay. Just this is your name. And when uh, something like when I'm not busy taking photos of landscapes or your favorite musicians, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce. What does that Set Lusting mean? I need so, to dance. No, I'm glad you did. So <laughs> I get that asked a lot. Uh, if I had to redo it, I would pick a different name. So because Bliss every year. Hello. So Hello. That's, that's where the name came I, from. I lost you. You okay, you, you dropped. I missed oh, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, so um, call it a night, and uh, we'll. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the book. You're a great person, and thank you for the wonderful interview, Frank. Uh, travel safe, you and your lovely bride, and you as well. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. Adios. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.